ElectroCast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's going on, everybody? Let's go ahead and jump into it. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another amazing episode of Ringside with Ray and Prince. I'm Ray Leonard Jr. You know you got your man Prince Daniels Jr. on the other side, and we have an amazing guest today. One of my homegirls, Miss Leslie Seeger, they call her the Big Les, the hip-hop entertainer, the dancer, the actress, the radio host, one of the legends in hip-hop. Les, welcome to the show. What up, fellas? I like being sandwiched between two juniors. I didn't catch that before. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. We we the juniors. We in here. We hot. You already know? You already know. I have to say it, man. I have to say it. I like Look. them young. Come on, juniors. Let's go. Yeah, we, yeah, we got the young man over there. Oh, oh Prince Daniels. He, he, he still got Simulac behind his ears. So. <laughs> it's okay, because my father, he raised me right. I want to come on here and speak to everyone and let them know that my father, he raised me to be a mature man. Yes, <laughs> yes. See, that, that's, that's that Wakanda vibe. Always with the African <laughs> stuff, man. <laughs> Yo, Les, it, man. Thank you for being on here. Uh, you know, the whole show is just about uh, the exercise and showing our guests, uh, you know, the love and showing our, our audience, you know, a different side of what people don't normally see. You want to have the conversation to talk about your career, talk about what you're uh, you know, excited about doing and what your aspirations are, but we want to give them up close and ringside personal. Invitation, conversation with Leslie Seeger. So, Les, tell us a little bit about where you came from. I know you're Queens always representing. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you got to start from when you when you uh, were in diapers, but let's, let's go a little bit further than that. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a girl from Queens, New York City. I grew up in East Elmhurst. Um, grew up literally with Kid and Play, Herbie Lovebug, uh, DJ Wiz, uh, Eric B. We, they're like between me and my sister's age, who was four years older, um, we all went to elementary school together. And so, you know, hip hop runs through my blood. I'm from the handball courts. I'm from the jams in the park. I'm from the roller skating rink era. Um, I started gymnastics when I was 10. And by the time I was 11, I was competing in national competition. You know, and by then you don't see as many brown and black girls as you do now, which are, which are going to dominate the Olympics. And I cannot wait. Yeah, but you know, I was that that girl who was a tom girl climbing trees and stuff. And my mother was like, "Get the hell out of the house!" and put me in a gymnastic class. And it was the best thing ever because you know it got me a full scholarship to the three, four different colleges that I applied to. I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts. Um, 
got into this master's program. So I majored in exercise physiology, but I was going to either do sports medicine or athletic training or physical therapy, but you can only compete for four years under NCAA. And I was like, by, you know, senior year, you know, Janet Jackson and Jody Watley and all these music videos. And I'm in my dorm room, like, oh, I can do that. I need to do that. That's me. And so I opted out my fifth year and literally my first audition I got, I was doing off Broadway. Um, and it was, all music industry after that. Uh, you know, I was working a full-time job doing um, physiological training and stuff like that. And I never had to go back to work. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Man, that, that's a beautiful thing. Cause most folks, they, they, they know you from TV. They know you from the hip hop genre. They don't know your whole athletic background. A lot of folks don't know your, that you was, you was a star early making. You were one of the ladies that led this whole, like the, the black girl magic with the gymnastics. So how did that start? Because in Queens, I, you ain't got a whole bunch of gymnastics, mats and stuff going around. Like how did you get involved in that? Well, like any inner city, you always see like the mattress or tumbling in the park or the mattress in the alley and stuff like that. And so because I always hung out with a lot of guys and they'd be doing flips, I happen to be able to do them better than them. I could climb trees better than them, hop fences better than them. Like I'm really still, I don't know if you look at my Instagram, I'm like Sporty Spice. I'm still jumping out of planes. Well, I've been watching. I'm like, trapezing and, and I just can't sit still. They call me the Energizer Bunny. But, you know, thank God my mom put me in the YMCA. I am a YMCA child all day, every day. And, um, you know, thank God for their gymnastic program because it really elevated my life. And, you know, I would watch Saturday morning Wild World of Sports and they had like gymnastics and stuff. And it was only Diane Durham at that time was the only black girl that I really had seen. Rest her rest in peace to her. Um, and now, you know, even when I went to college, there were no HBCUs that were giving me an option to even get a scholarship. So now when I see Fisk University has their badass female gymnastic team, all black and brown, you know, slaying everybody across the nation. I'm like glued to the TV. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's the deal because, like, yeah, you didn't see anybody, like, especially young brown girls doing uh, no gymnastics. Uh, my my homegirl in Maryland, Dominic Dawes, was one of the first mm -hmm. first first ones to see that that was doing that thing. So, like, uh, it's 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 interesting to to have that space because Queens, you were you were around all the hip hop legends. You said you were like you were around Kid and Play, you uh, Rock Him, like all these different legends that. Queens is, is is a vibe, especially in the hip hop space. So I knew you had to be affected with that. But what was it like being around those cats early on? So like you're doing sports, everybody was like everybody like you either sports or hip hop or music which was one of the things, especially coming out of where, where we came from. So like what was that like to be around them cats and, and having those dreams of, you know, we're gonna do something different because hip hop wasn't wasn't like the vibe back then. No, it's it's crazy though because but New York in itself was a whole hip hop vibe. Like you can't even walk down. I'm a public school child, and so you already know it's about your outfit, it's about your Adidas and your Lee jeans and your Izod shirt and your name belt and your bamboo earrings. So that's you know that's my whole universe, my environment. I've been in a roundaway girl since I was like nine to ten. Um, and so when you see people doing this stuff and grabbing the microphones and plugging up, plugging up to the lamppost and they're rhyming and rapping. And we saw that also at the roller skating rink. You're like, yeah, that's my homie. But you don't think that they'd be in Europe and, and you know, in stages at Madison Square Garden across America and that this would actually be like a viable thing. You think it's just a hobby and these are kids from the neighborhood. And then you see them on TV. Right. You see them on video music box and you see them on BET. And my mom, the same thing, you know, for me going to Madison Square Garden to, you know, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And then the next thing you know, I'm dancing on the stage looking, my view is different. I'm looking into the audience and my mom is there and, you know, 
Teddy Riley's down there and so-and-so's down there. Like who would have ever thought that doing cartwheels and breaking furniture in your house is the thing that takes you across the globe dancing for, you know, Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and Mary J. Blige. And, you know, choreography is not a thing. That's not something people talked about on TV, right? Those are the people who don't get interviewed. The cameraman, the radio engineer, the TV engineer, the person who wrote the board, like none of these, the costume designer, we don't get those interviews or those aren't like job listings at any television network or anything. So for me to kind of find my way um, through all of this, you know, I was a club kid from New York. And really how it happened for me was I would be in the clubs battling. I would see the Rocksteady crew, but I'm not of the B-girl era. I'm a little bit later than that. And house music came into my life. So even though I'm still a hip hop head, I'm a house music dancer first. So when you hear things like the Paradise Garage and, you know, uh, Kilimanjaro and all these clubs that played house music, the hip, it was the 90s where it was all about, you know, the backpack kids and house music and hip hop. But the battles were still going on. And everybody in New York at that time in the early 90s hung out. So the record executive, the labels, they weren't behind the red rope. Everybody was in the mix. They were approachable. They were handle, handing business cards. And so why, you know, Buster or whoever would be on an open mic competition before they had their record deal, I'd be in the circle battling with a bunch of guys. And then, the, you know, label uh, executive would be like, I need you in our music video and hand me a business card. And so that's kind of like, we didn't have the internet, right? It was 411 calling on a pay phone or the road, you know, yellow pages going like this. And really <laughs> for somehow I had the wherewithal to like when I'm watching music videos to look and see, okay, that says MCA records. Let me call 411. Let me call MCA records. Let me speak to the receptionist. Who's in charge of videos. They send me to the video department who knew there was a video department, right? Find out who this person is or the commissioner or that the director or that they're having an audition. Like you, it just fall, fell into place. So anybody now who has an excuse about, they don't know how to get started. I'm like, it's at your fingertips. I'm not even trying to hear you right now talking about, I don't know, or can you help me? No, I can't. I can't. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Because the, the, the grind was different back then. Like you had to go get a page. You had to wait for, but besides somebody's, but besides the pay phone, you had to, like, you couldn't get in touch with people. Now you got the internet. You can go and DM somebody and say, hey, look, this is my music. This is what I'm doing. I remember back in the day, I used to like go break dance and battle at the Capitol Center back in Maryland. Let me find out. <laughs> I need to see footage. I need to see oh, all the oh, footage. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was dope. I could still do my joint, but it, it was, it was like, but it was so new. It was such a vibe. I remember my mama taking my um, UTFO tape because yeah. it was, just came out, and it was get down, get down, pull your panties down. She heard it. She was like, "We just came from church. How you playing this heathen music?" Threw my tape out the window. Not heathen. It's <laughs> like <laughs> hold up, but. It, it was so new like parents didn't understand the whole vibe. And when you out there and you battling, going up against somebody, you walking up like now you got cats that, that get scary right now. They don't want to fight no more. But you would go up and then like you want dance battle. Right. 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 So that was a whole different vibe. And so you were in a dance phase. Like, what was that like in New York with the Mecca of it to be dancing and battling against folks that were it's like from different bureaus, different areas. It's like, all right, here, like, I don't want to fight you. I want to dance better. You can you outdance me. Absolutely. Like it was, it's crazy. Um, because you know how the boroughs are, right? First of all, if we're out of state, then New York rides for New York, but in city, 
Queens is Queens. Brooklyn is like shutting it down. The Bronx is like, you ain't nothing. And Staten Island gets no love. Like we all know what that is. Um, and so to be a girl embraced by the guys, because I'm doing gymnastics and flips that they can't even do. So instead of them be like, nah, girl, get out of here. There was really only like maybe six to eight girls who really were into battling and they embraced us and they let us learn their style. Like there's the mop top crew um, that I kind of came up with and they're responsible for choreographing for Mariah Carey and remember the time and a whole lot of other, you know, salt and pepper. And these guys really took me from having that, like, you know, pointed toe salute the judge and all that other stuff to like getting low, getting gritty, getting grimy. And so they were just like, come on, Les. And I, I, thankful for those guys all day every day but that was just part of like what hip-hop was you know there was no explanation there was no question mark it was just kind of like move out the way snatch the mic we're gonna hit the cypher over here move out the way clear the floor we're about to backflip and do this dance battle over here and that's kind of like everybody was used to it except for your parents right so I always say to those parents out there who when you see a glimmer of your child with an artistic ability, whether it is music, whether it's painting, you know, they could be the next Picasso, nurture it, put them in a class, feed their soul. If they're dressing, you know, what you think is flamboyantly, they could be the next Carl Lagerford, like embrace it, nurture it, you know? So thank God my parents did. So, so Prince, I, Prince, Prince I, I know, I know like me and Larry start going back to East Coast stuff. And so when I want to shut you out, I'm gonna give you a chance to answer questions. It's like double Dutch Prince. Get in the road. Get in. Better get it right now. Hey, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Cause look, man, Les is a vibe. I'm gonna tell you this. Like right now, I wish I grew up around that time when you were when you were growing up because I would have been there dancing with you as well. Like, oh, oh, oh here we go. 25 years ago, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Understand that? Exactly. Yes, she is tw forever 25. You know, so. Man, so I, I, I'm going to have to back it up because everything that you all are talking about, I was in front of my TV with my feet up, with my hands supporting my chin, watching these incredible things, you know, uh, like just unfold in front of my face. And I became a huge fan. I mean, from watching you on Living Single, on Remember the Times. And right now I'm still in awe because I'm like, all right, what question do I ask? Do I ask this, do I ask that? All right, now fam, you fan, you fanboy, fanboy. Right, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Here we go, here we go. I'm gonna calm it down. So during your formative years and growing up, do you think that prepared you for everything that you went through in life? What was a, a, a an audition like for you growing up and how did you get to that to, to that space at that point in time? Well, to answer your first question, one is I come from a family of really strong women, right? Mm. A lot of women, barely any male cousins, my grandmother, my mother. And of course, they are old school. They are from the South, you know, Augusta, Georgia, get the switch. We don't play that. You're not talking back to your parents. You're not cursing your asses going to school. There's no question about it. So I have that. Right. And we move with integrity. Always. Last thing I ever wanted to do was embarrass or shame my mother or anybody in my family. So I kind of moved that way. Um, one thing about athletics or when you're an athlete, you have a different mindset than anybody else because you are all about doing the work. There are no shortcuts. Right. With the exception of Tanya Harding and all that other mad and anybody else doing steroids, for the most part, 
98% I think of the athletes are here for the work and what their skill and their gift can do. And, you know, for me, if you lose an event the next week, then you come back, you work on a trick the next two weeks and you bust that chick's ass on vaulting or on, on, you know, floor routines or whatever it is. I had an amazing, amazing coach and you end up spending more time with your coaches than you do with your actual family. And one thing about my coach is that he would always punish us, punish us in the sense that you had to do drills. If anybody said, I can't, right. And you moved as a collective. Um, if one person's late, everybody's punished, right? If somebody stops before you suppose everybody's punished, but it's a sport that is an individual sport and it's a group sport, right? I can shine and become first place on, you know, uneven bars, but our team also has to get the numbers to win. So I've always moved that way. When I got into the industry, it wasn't like that. It was very, um, people were threatened by, you know, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The fact that for me, I would get booked in a lot, a lot of auditions. And so we used to tell each other, everybody would call each other, yo, there's this audition, whatever. And suddenly the phone call stopped. And it was one day that I got a phone call and I show up and I see one of my best friends or best friends, quotes, um, there. I was like, why you didn't call me? Because you book everything and blah, blah, blah. And that was another switch that clicked saying, okay, now y'all are about to see a new me. If I book everything, I'm really about to book everything now. And I'm not calling anybody. I'm not telling anybody. And that's not even my nature to be selfish like that. Right. I've always believed and felt whatever's meant for me is for me. Right. My mother's always like, God already has your plan. You don't have to do anything dirty, whatever. Um, so I kind of end up moving like that. And it's unfortunate that the business changes you in that, in those kind of ways where you like have to hold and hide your plate of food so that you don't share with anyone, but it really is snakish in that sense. Um, I also was in a sport where I was the tallest girl and the thickest girl, right? I was large in every sense of the word. I've been wearing a bra since I was in third grade. I had thick thighs. I'm five foot six. I competed when I was like probably 120 to 150 pounds, even through college. Whereas most gymnasts, when you look at Simone Biles, she's like four, nine, 90 pounds. And that's how most gymnasts are. I also didn't realize too, that I've been judged about my body, right? I'm in a sport where I have to, where I'm damn near naked the whole time. So it's not just about what I look like. It's about what my body can do. So when I got into the industry, one, nobody believed that I was a gymnast, right? Cause you don't see black girls and I don't look the part. They're like, Oh no, you play basketball or you run track. So now I have the first 15 seconds to show you what I can do. And that's what every audition became. And I realized that early on that nobody believed that I could do these things. And so you have to hit them in the face instantly the minute you have an audition with your biggest tricks. And then they're like, oh, snap. Oh, shoot. Um, but this industry, it was really hard for me. I didn't name myself Big Les. I, you know, was named by, I think it was a producer who uh, saw me tumbling and he was like, well, who's the big girl doing the backflips? And they were like, oh, that's just Les. And he was like, Big Les. And the next thing you know, it just kind of stuck. So I embrace it. But, you know, and I always tell girls like it took a minute for me to get comfortable with my body. Like I never even took my shirt off at the beach until I was a senior in college, you know, because I would be teased about being diesel or cock diesel or called a linebacker because I was always really, really muscular. Um, and what, what, what made you take your shirt off? Because it was too damn hot at the beach. I remember I was at Jones Beach at the Greek picnic and I just was like, F it. 
And it was like a light bulb went off because it was a series of, damn, girl, you're in such great shape. Like it was that and the guys were coming over. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, ow. So now you can't keep clothes on me. I'm naked all the time. Tastefully naked. I'm not, you know, only fans in it. We're not doing that, but, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it was, it's, you know, you hear so much about the industry going in, right? The drug use, the uh, solicitation and, and people trying to hit you with proposals on the couch, the, the casting couch. And I've had all of that happen to me in my very first audition. I had this, he was the epitome of a horror movie, like literally forgive me. I don't know how to say this politically correct, but he was 300 pounds. He looked every bit of 42nd Street porn uh, movie theater Times Square-ish, you know, whispering here, come here, I can give you this. It was all of those things. But I think because my exterior is really hard, I'm a concrete jungle girl. I come from, you know, I'm a loud New Yorker. I'm a, you know, a black woman who don't take no ish, you know, so I kind of, and I think I look a little menacing because of my muscularity. So that was to my advantage. Like I look like a fighter, like, it's me or you do or die. Which one of us is going, <laughs> you know? So no one really put hands on me and all of that stuff. So it was, you know, I just kind of had to move with integrity. And I think because of my parents, I know I'm getting long winded, sorry, um, that I always knew that I would never have to get on my knees for a job because I had such a huge successful gymnastic career throughout, like literally within the first two years, I became a uh, city champ, state champ. I won the big apple games, you know, regional champions. You know, so you already have that. So me coming into dancing was like, all right, this is just another sport. Let's attack. Let's go. And so that's kind of my mindset through everything. So, so, so coming from, I, I love, I love that. I love the whole vibe the body positivity. You talk about, you found yourself, your whole space, you know, later on. Um, but, Going into such a grimy business, you know, I I got to see it uh, front row seat up in all this stuff and how the industry can can change you, can change people. And if you're not securing yourself, it can take you down and make you into somebody that you're not. So uh, one of the things I want to ask you about is like your 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 first space, your first big gig. You get the gig and, uh, you know, my parents, even though my father was a boxer and, you know, um, they were like, you got to get a real job because I wanted to be in hip hop. I wanted to dance. I wanted to rap. You know, I had my whole production thing. What was that like going back and telling your parents, strong parents, like, look, I got a TV gig. <laughs> I'm out of college. I'm going to do, you know, gymnastics, whatever. You know, I got a TV gig. I'm going to be an actress or, or a TV host. What was that like? Listen, I still am shaking in my boots every time I like call home and I'm just like, okay, so what are you working on? Um, first of all, when you have to come home from college and move back into your parents' house, it is like the worst thing ever, right? So they're not trying to hear you got a car note, you got to pay rent, you got to, what time do I have to be in the house? You're like, what? I'm 20 something. You know, you can't even argue with that. Um, and then me opting out of my fifth year of not getting my master's and just getting my bachelor's. And she was like, you got you got a full ride. What are you doing? And what, what is this dancing? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I'm going, but ma, you know, my body, I won't be able to dance forever. I have to go now. And she was like, you got a year watching the clock to whatever. And literally the first, you know, I think the first five years of auditions, I don't think I did not book anything. Um, and my first real job of having to leave 
my day job because I was working at a sports training institute where anytime you see people hooked up to tubes and you're testing their whole physiological, I was the person on the other side training people for marathons and stuff like that. But it was the Key Sweat Tour with BBD and Johnny Gill. There were no contracts. Dancers didn't have agencies, agents or anything like that. And I got the job. So this was us rehearsing for about a month and a half in New York. And then you're on tour for like four or five months. And I didn't even know what a leave of absence was, but the job let me take a leave of absence. Key Sweat hurt his foot on that tour. He broke his foot. And you're like, oh, my God, I got to go back to a nine to five. The tour is over. What am I going to do? But he chose to stay on the tour. And then I realized quickly, like, I need to find a new gig while I'm in this gig. Like once, this, you know, the countdown, the tour is about to be over. And um Luckily for me, what happened pretty much, I, I called back and saying, I'm not coming back to this job. And uh, Teddy Riley and Aaron Hall and Damien Hall found me. They saw me at the garden. They came. This happened to me twice. This is crazy. Uh, they saw me at the garden dancing with Keith Sweat. By the time I got to my dressing room, Damien was already there. Like, I need you girls to dance for us with Guy, blah, 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 blah. Scooped me up for the Guy tour the minute the Key Sweat was tour was over. So next thing you know, I'm in Japan. I'm all over the place with Guy, which is crazy. Martin Lawrence was their opening act on stage. It was bananas. But, you know, I would come home for all the jobs in between, music videos and all that other stuff. And then uh, somewhere around the way, it happened again with Bobby Brown that way. It happened with Heavy D that way. Like, it just was crazy. And it, it was a momentum and a roller coaster that just never stopped. And then my mother was just, when I was able to move out, I was like, now I ain't got to hear that anymore. But then it's those moments when you're not working and you're like, mom, I need some money. Um, can you help me with my rent and my whatever? You get the eye roll and you get the whatever. But when you get, when they get a chance to see you on TV and they can tell all their friends and then people are calling, the family members are calling and then they're at the garden and they can actually see it for themselves. And they're like, okay, I get it. This is a real thing. And so now it becomes real to them, but whew, it never ends convincing your parents. My mother is still to this day. Like, so you sure you're not going to go back and get your master's? You're only a couple of credits short. And you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's too funny. Like I, I want to know something because you mentioned that you didn't have any contracts. Mm -hmm. And there were no contracts. How did you know how to follow your intuition and, and, and lean into it? I think initially you just end up talking to other dancers. But what happened for me, too, is when because I was featured up front as a dancer, most of the time, everyone assumed that I was the choreographer. I had experienced choreographing, but only doing gymnastic floor routines. What would happen is some of those uh, choreographers would be like, we get to rehearsal and they'd be like, yeah, I need an eight count from you guys. And, da -da -da. and you'd be like, wait, who aren't you getting paid? Wait, what? Why are we doing the work? So the, the next time somebody asked me, I was like, yes, I'm a choreographer. And I just kind of took the task on and I knew what the run, what the rate was. And so I kind of added money onto because then the phone was ringing nonstop. And I was like, oh, I can write my own ticket and I could add a zero on these things. You know what I'm saying? And so I really thank God of the New York savviness. And you just kind of like have that mindset. And I think even then I was making more money, unfortunately, than what dances are today. And that's a whole other thing. Right. There's no union really supporting these dancers and no health care and no contracts and it's a you know supermodels are making more than dancers and we're both representing billion dollar entities and i was like can we switch places for a day how about we get naomi campbell to go into our rehearsals for three weeks eight hours a day dance on cobblestone and a pair of heels and let me just go ahead and walk the runway for about 10 15 seconds and make 10 or 20k let's do that how about mm. we do that this has been an argument for years and, you know, of trying to get all of this stuff done. But um, I hope I answered your question. I just be running my mouth. I'm sorry. No, no, that's 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 beautiful. <laughs> so from going from dancing, like because you were you know, a gymnast and you were 
known to be able to perform on, on stages, but then getting to a gig where you have to be live on camera. What was that like? The first time you're live on camera, you speak and you're a host, you're doing your thing. It's like, it, that, that's a whole different experience than just, you know, than, than, than dancing and, and, and moving, you know, and that, that's a whole nother vibe. It's, it's crazy. I think, um, again, doing the gymnastics, really kind of set me up and you just don't see it when you're in it. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you don't see it. I, I'm going to answer your question, but one thing I've always wanted, like I just have this affinity for the black exploitation and Pam Greer. And that's kind of where I want, I still have not checked that box of being a female action hero. But then I realized somewhere in the last five years, like, Mitch, you've been an action hero. You've been flying through the air and whatever. You just ain't been wearing a cape, right? Or thigh high Yo, boots. yo, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you say that, Les, because my, my, the first movie that, I, that my wife and I watched, I, she was like, let's watch a movie. I was like, I put on Penitentiary 2. See? <laughs> Too sweet. Absolutely. <laughs> right, so Black, Black Portation was my jam. Yeah, so, sorry, yeah. Sorry, I had, I, had, I had to put that out there. No, no, I get it. Um, but and again, you got to be careful of things that you say, right? I wrote in my, I used to uh, take a journalism class in high school and I thought I was going to be a journalist before I got into like sports medicine and all that other stuff. Cut to here I am doing journalistic and media stuff. So I had been doing interviews as a gymnast. So I had, you know, experience talking about my routines and blah, 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 that stuff on camera. Really, it was kind of like, I guess, doing some extra work doing some acting roles, like really just little bit parts and stuff and taking like improv classes. But when I really got to BT to Rap City, um, I was a mess my first season <laughs> on that show. I look back at interviews. First of all, you're like, what's your hair doing? What are you wearing? What the hell? Um, but I really had great producers. And the thing, and I tell this story all the time, even though I grew up with Kid and Play and I've known them forever, I had to interview them on Rap City what, my first season. So I'm thinking it's going to be a breeze, blah, blah, blah. And then Play suckered me. I had I got so addicted to like looking at my cards or the cue cards or the teleprompter asking those questions that I wasn't listening to them. And three of the questions he had already answered within the conversation. So I went back to my cards and I asked the question. He's like, so you weren't listening. I just answered that question. And I just was like, oh, crush, crumble. He, he just signed you on TV. He signed you on TV. Signed me big time. But when I tell you that was the most valuable lesson, like that will never happen again. And I really don't even use like you know, card, cue cards or the teleprompter. Like, I just know what the information is. Natural curiosity, pay attention to the conversation. You end up interviewing people like Russell Simmons who will talk all day long. He'll go on a tangent, but you have to keep up with him, right? And then you just throw the cards away and be like, F it, forget it. As long as you hit your sponsors and whatever you need to do, you know? And so I learned those lessons along the way, which made me become a really comfortable host. The thing that helped also is that, and, and I guess the reason why I got the job at Rap City is because I had relationships with 90% of the industry because I had danced for them or choreographed them. We've been on the tour bus for months at a time, no wigs, no lashes. You know, I'm around their parents, drool in their mouth, crust in their eyes. I know all the dirt. So they felt comfortable talking to me. And I was never on some like, for, you know, Wendy Williams-ish. I'm not here for the gossip and all the salacious whatever, you know, so people feel comfortable telling me their secrets, letting me into those rooms. You know, I got my own little scandals and stuff too, so I'm allowed in the rooms too to play, but we know that I'm going to keep my mouth shut, <laughs> you know, and, and we just going to have a good time and do what we do. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. 
Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectroCast. We, we all got our scandals. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not pull that up because I'm not getting sunned on this show. <laughs> Somebody got the keys and the picture. Where you at? Yeah, Where you yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, put it, put it in the back. You know. <laughs> oh, this is awesome! This is awesome. Okay, okay. So, you 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 on BET? So, I I think before BET, you had your run in choreography, and you got a you were up for an award with MTV um, in 1993 for the MTV. MTV Music Awards for the best choreographer for Mary J. Blige, mm-hmm. you know, Real Love and um, what was the other song? You Remind Me. Oh my goodness. I used to walk home from school with that on my headphones. This just, man did his research. I've seen you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on. We got a, we got a, we got a, an icon on here, man. Mm. So yes, like I'm a huge fan. You know, thank she you for seven doing years all of this. old in 1993. Right. I was a child. I was a I mean, look, look, she did, did you hear what she said? She joined Genesis at 10, and then at 11, she won all these awards. So, um, how did you end up meeting Mary J? And how did you end up um choreographing all of her, her videos? Well, Puffy was a club kid too. You know, Mm -hmm. while he was like interning and running back from Howard and stuff, working at Uptown, he was still a club kid. So he'd be battling and dancing. And that's why when you see like uh, some Jodeci videos or some Father MC videos or whatever, you'll see Puffy dancing around or whatever. And he was one of those who was in the club with us. So we already had that relationship. And once we, I started working, not working for Uptown, but I was working with like Father MC and Heavy D and all these other artists that were there. He was just like, yo, money, this is how they talk it up. I'm like, Les, I need you to, you know, come with that hardcore New York sexy. I need some Timberland boots, but I need y'all to make Mary. And you and Mary are just alike. And so he put us together. And I literally felt like Mary and I had gone to high school together. Like she's the chick that I'd be at the lunch table with or that we'd be taking off our earrings, fighting the chick at three o'clock with like double duck. Like that's, we kind of connected exactly that way. And even though she'll say that I taught her and stuff how to dance. Mary already had her own bop. Like, you know, most New York girls, we all dance. New York people dance. Even the guys, as fly as they are in their little fur coats and their whatever. Like, you'll see Cameron and Dipset. Like, they all, everybody bops and they dance. But Mary had never experienced choreography or what it felt like to have to breathe and to sing and to perform and to be all these things. And so I'm the person who kind of, you know, Puffy trusted to, to do all of that. Uh, with that first album. Well, those first two songs anyway. And I was going to stay, but Bobby Brown came a call and I had done, I think we had done, remember the time maybe somewhere in there, done some stuff with Janet. Something happened. I, I, the timeline escapes me right now, but Bobby Brown ended up calling. And so um, Mary was still in the promotional stages and, you know, it breaks my heart to this day. I wish I could have still been with her all these years, but then again, I wouldn't have been able to blossom in the way that I did. So I actually ended up giving Ann, her first choreography opportunity by passing her the baton to choreograph for Mary. So I think she did I'm um, going down uh, while I went over to do like humping around and all that other stuff with Bobby Brown. Friggin' Bobby Brown, king of R&B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My man Bobby. Love Bobby. So it, that your your career has been, you know, uh, amazing. Uh, like it's it's one that you can't write in a in a in a 
theme book that you would write in your own novel. It's it's something out of a, a dream. Um, so now, when you when you when you've come through all that success, like what is now? What is next? What what other things do you want to conquer? Because when you have so much success so early, it becomes like you get used to it. <laughs> it's a vibe where so much stuff that's happening. Like, right, you get jaded by the industry. You can get jaded by certain things and you want to go into something else. So, so what is, what is now for you? Les? But, but Ray, Ray, I, I'm sorry. I got to cut you are off. You, are, you, I, are you still asking more questions? I, I am. I am, man. How can I not? Maybe. <laughs> Come look, on. Slim. Hold on. <laughs> look, two things. Both of you know <laughs> Michael good. Jackson. Both of you know Michael Jackson. I want to talk about that, and I got to talk about living single, man. Like just being un- under right. the New York bridge, right. you know. My homegirl right. standing to my left. Am I right? All right. All right. You better take do that, dance, Prince. I take, see take you. It take it back. So, <laughs> Look, say, here, my see, the, sister. The, the, the fanboy that came back out, man. Go ahead, dude. Hey, do your thing, hey it's, it's gonna go in and out, Ray. It's all right, baby. <laughs> I'm here for it. I, I, I appreciate the love. Les here for it. Look, me and my sister. Every time Living Single would come over, I mean, come on, we would be like, my homegirl's standing to my left. Am I right, Joe? It's not like Lou. Oh, we was, man, we love that show. We've been watching it every single week. Anywho, I got, you. I, got I got you on all three questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, and I'm going to wrap this up in a bow, really beautifully. So, the way Living Single happened is uh, for those who aren't familiar with Otis Salid, he was a directographer under Spike Lee. He gave you school days, you know, good and bad hair. I don't want to be alone tonight. Um, and he was doing Malcolm X. There's a Lindy Hop scene in Malcolm X that Lindy Hop is one of my favorite all time. I just, you know, women were athletic and all that other stuff. But I was on tour, I think, with Bobby or with Heavy or somebody at the time. Laurieann was actually working with them. And I came to one of the rehearsals, but they were already three weeks in. She introduced me to Otis. I didn't think Otis knew who I was, but it was too late for me to join the cast. So I kind of had to, I did some extra work on it, but that was it. I get a phone call a couple of weeks later and he was like, Les, this is Otis Lee. And it's kind of like Michael Jackson calling. You're like, what? Stop playing. <laughs> Otis, what? And he was like, no, listen, I got this idea. You know, it's for this new TV show. They haven't signed off on it yet, but I think if we can present it to him, this would be perfect. And you're the perfect person. So me with an opportunity to work for Otis, you know, if he could have said, come clean my bathroom, I would have actually been there to clean his bathroom. Like he is a genius. Um, and we spent all day dancing, back flipping, crazy on cobblestone for hours. Um, and what's crazy is there's two versions of it. You guys see one that doesn't have a flip in it. The one I think made it to air, but I'm expecting all this gymnastic stuff to be in it. But the genius of Otis is that he doesn't need all of that big stuff, right? He gives you whatever. And so me falling back at the end was me being tired as hell because, you know, we were really there all day. And I still to this day can't imagine that this show has been on 25, 30 years. And because of social media, I get sent remakes of my open a gazillion times and they've made me feel like I was part of the cast. And I've tried to audition for that show. They wouldn't even let me audition. And I think that was kind of during the time where, dancers you know we don't see a dancer you know they were just taking rappers now they weren't taking dancers to be actors you know you have to make dance go away um remember the time happened because i heard about an audition fatima was choreographing um and it just word came through to new york like on a wednesday night auditions were saturday in la my begged my mother for a ticket she gave me the money begrudgingly like oh this 
again. Here we go. You know, I was like, Mom, I can get this. I know it. And it's Michael. Know, it's Michael, baby. <laughs> of course, it's Michael. And uh, cut to there's like 20 of us that, you know, hop off the plane, show up at the audition and about all of us got it. And what's crazy is that you don't realize that people actually know who you are or have been watching you. So I find out along the years that, you know, John Singleton or Michael or Prince like knew who we were by name. And you're just like, what? So uh, John Singleton, rest in peace, really just laid it out for us, gave us a budget that they didn't have, gave us per diem and all this other stuff that, that would allow us to stay. And at the end of all of that, um, he had me, Tish, Fatima and Josie move in with Janet to kind of set her up for poetic justice, which is crazy. So it was it was a beautiful transition. And Michael was, you know, was really nice. Everybody gravitates towards the dancers, all of the entertainers, because we're the ones in the corner battling mama jokes, talking stuff. We're not hitting you with the politics or gimme gimme. And so they feel comfortable in our space, especially someone like Michael who wants to dance all the time. And so even though we were told or signed agreements, don't talk to him, don't look at him, whatever. He was with us chilling the whole time and being on that set was crazy because magic johnson had half the nba there iman had all the supermodels there you know john singleton just came off of doing um not friday uh the other movie with ice cube boys in the hood boys in the hood so half the hollywood was already on the set so and unfortunately we didn't have cameras back then right because it was a who's who so it was beautiful you know um and to answer your question ray about what's next one thing i can say is that debbie allen laid the blueprint of what happens to you when your body gets older and what's next, right? She transitioned into acting, producing, directing. And so you kind of, even though I moved into Rap City earlier than I wanted to for my dance career, um, and I was still choreographing the first two or three years of the show, I was actually on tour with Heavy D the first year of the show. Um, but they ended up having to make me make a choice because the schedule conflict was too much. And so I just felt like, well, all right, let me move on. And I still, to this day, I went to the Usher concert in Vegas and I just wanted to jump on stage. Like I can't even watch a show without wanting to be a part of it. But I knew that being on all these sets, I had to make it work for me. So you start paying attention to the nuances in the camera and talking to directors and producers. And, you know, as a choreographer, you're already telling a story as a dancer, your body already tells a story. So it's only a natural progression for me um, to move more into acting as well as moving into directing. And as we're in hip hop 50, you know, the dance is always neglected always on every front. And they're barely even talking about the Rocksteady crew right now. So I've been trying to advocate like, you know, getting us in the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Let me help curate that. You know, let's talk about doing a dance documentary. And I'm like, you know what, let me just get it together and let me try and formulate and, and make this happen. So in the process of working on, you know, dance documentary and, you know, women of the 90s and all of that good stuff. So I can put that hat on too. <laughs> oh, I, I love that because, you know, with the, the first movies that you saw that were about hip hop was was breaking and crush groove. Right. Like you got to see the vibe and it was about the dance. And it was about the Rocksteady crew. It was about all that flavor, about the culture. And then like it just disappeared. And they started paying attention to just just the hip hop, to the to the lyrics and to the rappers and making them the villains. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to support you on that with, with the, with the dancing. Cause it's so much, uh, so much a large part of what the culture was. Absolutely. And, you know, fun, funny thing, Prince, that, that we, we, we won't have to bring back and talk about uh, later. Hey Ray, I'm about to say, throw me in there too. Cause I can dance now. I can, I, I know I'm you gonna... can dance. I know you do your African vibe. Joy. Listen, we're not here for the TikTok 30 seconds. I'm out of breath dances. We come in and we put in work. I need knee pads. I need slides. Five, six, seven, we're going to the floor eight. and you're dancing for like 10 minutes straight. Don't play. Y'all not built like us in the 90s anymore. No, no, I, I, I had a sister. I had a sister. I had an older sister, and she would teach me all the dances. So trust me, I'll dance everybody. 
Hey, I'm going to have to show you my yearbook that said the best dancer. All right. So I'm going to leave it at that. Jury's out. Okay. Oh, man, man. See, we, 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 could, we could go all day with, with the vibes. You, you talked about the Michael Jackson Remember the Time. There's, there's a crossover because one of my ex-girlfriends actually wrote Remember the Time. Oh, uh, really? So. Yeah, so I, Ooh, I was I around that, that whole time. one degree of separation. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's one degree, so let's not talk about that right now because <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. But other than that, you, you, you wanted the connection, Prince. You wanted to you ask about me and Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of connections there. But, hey, <laughs> we appreciate you, Les. We, we thank you so much for being on the show. It, it, like, we we got to do a part two because it's just a vibe. We just talking like we old friends and Love it. Love the energy. Always love well, what you do and support you. So we appreciate it. Can you tell the audience like where where they find you? Like how, how can they keep up with what you do? Absolutely. Doing? Well, let me first of all say thank you guys. I really appreciate you rolling out the red carpet for your girl. I got the call from you and I seen you out and you were just like, yes. And I'm just like, yes, say no more. So thank you. Thank you a million times. Thank you. Um, make sure you guys watch the Rap City documentaries coming out on BET October 10th, 11th, and 12th. I'll be at the BET Hip Hop Awards. Finally, for the first time ever, they're actually going to have me and Tigger presenting, which is crazy. They've never done that, but um, which is a beautiful thing. And yes, you can follow me on all platforms at I am Leslie Segar, L-E-S-L-I-E-S-E-G-A-R, website LeslieSegar.com, all that good stuff. And yeah, I'm here to like, you know, get my director's debut going cracking. So pray for you, girl we can make this happen it's 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 already in the making you've already manifested it that's the energy that you put out and it comes right to you i mean you are amazing it's an honor to be here and hey, hey, just hey just hey no, no, she already doing that make sure we get our get our role too we like we need a little role in that spot oh you gotta get well let me get through the documentary first right because you know that whole golden era the women and all that let me get there and then when i'm ready for my action film Yes. Got it. Got it. Come on, Ray. We can, we get, we, you know, yeah, get a couple yeah, backflips. I'm, I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm going in the gym right now. I'm going to gym. No, right okay. now. I, can, I can still do a backflip. I'm just letting you know. I can you still you do will be both. So let's <laughs> get it. Stay last. You know, I'm Look. shot from a battle. Don't play with me. I may need some ibuprofen after an ice bath, but I can still. What? <laughs> Hey, you're going to be like Unviv un- un- off of uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's right. Last words, real quick. What would you tell your younger self or the younger, beautiful black girls that's coming behind you? Can you give them one piece of advice? Oh, my younger self would absolutely be save more money. Um, because dancing, again, is at the bottom of the financial totem pole. You know, thank God I've been able to branding wasn't a thing in the 90s so thank god i kind of had a little bit of that then and now you know what i'm saying i'm still the brokest chick in the room and i shouldn't be after 20 30 years um and not saying because i squandered my money but because i'm in the i don't sell records you know what i'm saying i don't sell records and cds and stadiums so you know that kind of thing i have to get my contracts by doing commercials and films and all those other things so know the business no walk with integrity always show up on time for those of you who are dancers take every genre of dancing that you can tap african ballet hip-hop because there's somebody out there who needs all of that in one production or you know stay on top of your game don't get comfortable don't complace don't get complacent and don't be afraid to say no to a job don't just take it because you're hungry or because of who it is walk away if it doesn't feel right that's that's mic drop love is love on that i i, I ain't got nothing to say on that you, know you already know. Man, let's <laughs> go ahead. We gotta close it out. You all, yeah. you heard it from the best, big last. She on here, Ray. What we always say, baby. Hey, hey, peace, peace, power, y'all. Thank you for power, joining, y'all. Peace. You got to give a lot.
Electric acid. 